0: The words of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And these words now from uh, his letter to the Romans, this particular passage really summarizes what the whole uh, letter, actually, the theme. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And then these words from uh, the third chapter where uh, Paul continues his argument. He Talks about how we are all sinners and how we are lost apart from the mercy of Christ. So we, and it's not by, by the law that we get right with God. So now listen. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of God. Of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are in the midst of a series of messages on the five solas. If you are new to this series, uh, the Latin word sola means alone or only. The five solas are five short Latin phrases which articulated the core beliefs of the Protestant reformers in the 16th century, beliefs that continue to shape our identity as God's people today. And I've been saying that in these days of theological and moral confusion, it's more important than ever that we review the essentials of our faith. It's vitally important that you and I know what we believe and that we be able to articulate it as did the reformers of the 16th century. So we began with the first sola, the first only, alone. Sola Scriptura, acknowledging that the Bible alone is uniquely authoritative for our lives. If we want to know what we are to believe and to do as disciples of Jesus, it's to the Scriptures that we turn. Then last Sunday, we took up the phrase sola gratia, We said that grace alone, God's love for the undeserving, is the foundation of our relationship with God. It's crucially important that you and I understand that getting right with God is not a matter of winning God's approval, it's not about following all the rules and being a good person. The fact is, we can never be good enough. We all fall far short of the glory of God. Now, I like to tell a story about that fellow who was a pillar of the church. I mean, this guy was really important in the church. And uh, he uh, died one day, and uh, he arrived directly at the pearly gates, And St. Peter said, welcome, Joe. I know that you'd like to get in through these gates, but it's going to take a thousand points to get in. So tell me something about yourself. Well, the man said, when I was a kid, I had perfect Sunday school attendance. I had uh, perfect attendance pins that would go down to the floor. I was captain of the acolyte team at church. By golly, I saw that those candles were lit every Sunday. I sang in the the kids' choir. I did odd jobs around the church. I pulled weeds. And St. Peter said, that is really, that's really good. Congratulations, Joe. That's one point. (laughs) Now, tell me something else about you. And the man said, well, look now, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 75 years old, but I've been a lifelong member of a church 75 years. I mean, since I was born, baptized in the church. And I want you to know, maybe you know already, Peter, that I was virtually on every committee in the church. I was on the board. I was on session umpteen million times. I don't know. I even gave the sermon on lay Sunday. I was even a commissioner to the national church meeting one year. And Peter said, Joe, that's truly remarkable. That gives you another point. Tell me something else about you. Well, by this time, the man was growing a little bit concerned. And he said, Peter, I want you to know that I lived a good life. I mean, I really did, I was a good person kind to my neighbor. You know, I, I, I watered my neighbor's lawn when he was on vacation. I've always tried to live by the golden rule. You know, by the Sermon on the Mount, I've, I've done my best to, to live by the Ten Commandments. And, uh, you know, I've always welcomed strangers and just tried to live at peace with everybody. And St. Peter said, that is so wonderful, That's another point. Tell me more about yourself. By this time, the man was getting rather desperate. He didn't like the way this conversation was going. And if the truth be known, he was getting a little bit irritated. And so he said to St. Peter, look, at this rate, the only way I'm going to get into heaven is but by the grace of God. (laughs) Bingo, said Peter. (laughs) The gates opened. Peter? You got a 1,000 points plus the three you got, enter into heaven. (laughs) The Christian life is not a matter of being good enough. In virtually every other religion, it is your performance that matters. You better measure up or else then comes the judgment, you know. And that performance mentality we were saying last week is in the cultural air we breathe. Christianity is all about grace. One of the most beautiful words in the English language grace, unmerited favor. It's just given to us because we are loved valued by God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, good deeds, and so on, so that no one can boast. Our salvation, getting right with God, enjoying all the benefits of that restored relationship with God is God's own accomplishment. It's not ours. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. We are loved as we are. Unconditionally, no strings attached. That's grace. How beautiful is that? What an amazing God we have. And that's pretty much where we left off last week, right? But now some of you may be thinking, but what about faith? Where does faith come in? Don't we have to have faith also if we're going to be right with God? I mean, that's our part, right? Faith. Listen again to Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the means by which we receive God's grace. It's the vehicle or the channel through which we appropriate it. So yes, faith is necessary, but it is not, it is not the ground of our salvation. I like to think of it this way. Suppose someone comes up to you and hands you a legitimate check for a million dollars. You can't believe your good fortune. You didn't earn it. Didn't deserve it. It just comes to you through sheer grace. Totally unexpected. This guy comes up. Here's a million dollars. It's a gift to you. The only thing you have to do is to receive it. So what do you do? You endorse the check. Faith is endorsing the check that God has written on our behalf it is the instrumental means through which God's riches comes to us it's a little quick aside but i found this to be helpful if you think about the word grace as an acronym g r a c e g r a c e god's riches at christ's expense grace Chances are you'll actually remember that. I learned that a long time ago. still in my head. We gratefully and humbly receive those riches by faith. But it's really all God's doing, isn't it? We just sign the check. And the fact is, even faith is a gift. Even the ability to have faith is a gift from God. Someone once said something to me that I thought was rather odd. She said, I'm proud of my faith. It really made me think, I'm proud of my faith. And it seemed that she had turned faith into a work, something that she was somehow able to conjure up within herself, and it came across as something of a boast. But faith itself is a gift. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, says Paul, not by works so that no one can boast. We must not think of salvation as a 50-50 transaction between God and between us. You know, where God's done His thing and now we have to do our thing. It's all about what God has made possible through Christ. We receive those benefits through faith. It's not a 50-50 deal. Please don't think of it that way. God did it, now we better do it or else it's not it at all. It's all about God. And this is the, this is the, uh, the, the theme of, of, of Paul's letter to the Romans. Put those words up again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The faith that Paul is talking about here is a relationship of trust. It's staking your life upon God's promises, depending upon Him alone. And it's knowing that you can actually never really have enough faith, nor can you ever do enough to win God's approval, to win righteousness, right standing with God. It's God's power that brings salvation and righteousness. By the word, when you see that righteousness in the Bible, I think it's helpful to think of it as a right relationship. A right relationship with God. It's God's power, right? God has enabled this restored life to be possible for us. Our part is to trust Jesus. Resting in Him and in what He has done for us. Faith is like coming to God with open arms and with an open heart saying, Lord, I'm willing to receive what you would give me. I give myself to you. I surrender yourself to me. I'm I'm now going to walk with you by faith. I don't know where you're going to take me, but, Lord, here I am. Really, we bring nothing other than our own willingness to want to walk. We depend on him. We rest in Jesus. It's not about trying harder to be a good person. It's sad when churches reinforce that message. Just try harder, would you? It's all about receiving. Thank you, God, for making that possible for me. I receive your riches at your son's expense. Wow. Sola fide, faith alone. This truth was proclaimed by the Apostle Paul at the beginning of the Christian movement It was lifted up by the Protestant reformers in the 16th century as crucial to Christian life, and it remains a core belief for us today. Salvation, restored relationships with God, with others, and so on, it's all God's doing, not ours. We appropriate that salvation through faith. But now you may be wondering, does this mean then that I don't have to do anything if it's all God's deal, you know? Does that mean I don't... Have to care about the way I live? You know, since I'm saved by grace through faith, do good works count for nothing? Do we just kind of sit around and say, Thank you, God, thank you, God? You know? There were actually those at the time of the Apostle Paul who believed that because they had received God's grace, it didn't matter how they lived. They assumed that they had been given a license to do whatever they wanted. After all, it's all God's grace. You know, God will always forgive and forgive and forgive. There's no limit to God's forgiveness. So, you know, and besides, you know, our ticket has already been punched to heaven. So, you know, it it doesn't really matter how we live. Good works really aren't all that important. Some were even saying that maybe, they were saying to themselves, maybe we ought to sin even more so that God's grace can even, you know, abound, which is a silly argument actually, but people actually thought that. Man, the more we sin, the more God's grace will, people will be experienced. Let's just sin. So let's tackle this just for a minute. When the Apostle Paul says, we have been saved by grace through faith and not by works, is he saying then that good works don't matter, that it doesn't matter how we conduct our lives, that it doesn't matter how we should live? Is that what Paul's saying? Justified by faith, not by works? Well, I think maybe you can guess the answer, by no means. Faith that is genuine, faith that is real, will, as a matter of course, produce good works. Martin Luther, who was a great champion of Sole Fide, faith alone puts it well. This is what he says Faith is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing. Faith cannot help doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done, but before anyone asks, it already has done them and continues to do them without ceasing. Anyone who does not do good works in this manner is an unbeliever. Faith that fails to produce good works, deeds of love, service rendered, is not genuine. It is not a saving faith. Listen again to the Apostle Paul after saying that we're saved by grace through faith. He adds, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The message puts it this way, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Faith that's genuine, naturally, and inevitably leads to good works, good deeds, loving service. And when you and I experience truly experience God's grace, it begins to transform us. We're, all, we're also given a new identity. We are now children of God. We are citizens of God's kingdom. Our manner of life necessarily ought to be different. Now notice the order. Grace, faith, works. Grace, faith, works. It's always that order. Our salvation begins with God's incredible gift of unmerited favor in Christ. We receive that gift in faith, and that faith will always work itself out in love. And the trouble comes when we put works first as a means to obtain God's grace, and then we go right back, it's about us. It's about our performance, not what God has done. Grace, uh, faith, works. Dear friends, in a few moments, we will be sharing in the Lord's Supper You and I don't deserve to be present at that supper, actually. We're not worthy to come into the presence of such a holy God. And yet it's through sheer grace that God has invited us here as His honored guests to participate with Him in this feast of love. And really, we bring nothing to the table except our faith trusting in Him for all that we need, receiving blessing upon blessing from His generous hand. It's through sola fide, faith alone, that we come. So let us come with what faith we have. Perhaps our prayer ought to be the prayer of the father of the epileptic child in the gospel story. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your incomparable uh, riches bestowed upon us in Christ. We're not deserving, we are unworthy. How can we say thank you, Lord? We say thank you by giving ourselves to you in faith. We trust you to lead us, in trust, we receive your benefits. And Lord, we would go forth from here walking by faith. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about us. Thank you for honoring us, for loving us enough to come to us in Christ, in whose name we have gathered here today. To you be all praise and glory. Amen.